things in store. Amen. Let's call out to Him. Let's call out to Him as if He's listening. Let's call out to Him as if He will respond. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We cry out to You today. We are desperately in need of the Lord our God. We are desperately in need of our Savior, our King of kings, our Lord of lords, in this place today. Only You can save. Only You can deliver. Only You can restore and provide and heal. Whatever the need is today, You can meet it. Hallelujah, Jesus. We heap glory and honor unto the Most High God today. We worship and we praise You because of Your greatness, because of Your goodness. We worship You because of who You are. Lord Jesus, You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. We worship You for Your mighty acts. We worship You, Lord Jesus, because of the victory that You've purchased for us. The so great salvation that You've given to us. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our full and undivided attention. You're worthy of all of us. Every part of us. Hallelujah, Jesus. As we give ourselves to You in this service today, I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would arise, that Your enemies would be scattered, that You would minister to Your people today in this place, that You would encourage them, undergird them with strength, edify them, strengthen them in the Lord their God. And Lord, that Your great and mighty name, Your wondrous name, Your glorious name would be lifted up and glorified in this place today. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord our God is in this place. And He can do all things. He's not limited by anything. He has no limitations. He's not tired. He didn't just come from work. He got plenty of sleep. He doesn't need sleep. He's ready to work in your behalf today. Amen. If you'll believe that, if you'll receive that today, if you'll stand on the promises in God's Word, praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing, for entertaining the presence of God. You can be seated. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. We have some visitors with us today. I want to give you formal honor. I will do that in the second service. Amen. But God bless you. We are blessed because you're here. If you have need of anything, please contact our ushers. Amen. <clears throat> By way of review... We talked about giving, praying, and fasting. All very popular uh, in the Christian community. Our obedience to Jesus Christ, we learned, involves the entire person. Involves the entire person. That motives matter. The reasons why we do something is just as important as actually getting the stuff done. If Jesus is Lord, then He is Lord of all. He's not Lord over just you. He's, over, he's Lord over me as well. He's not Lord just in my finances. He's Lord in my dietary habits. 
where I work, what I do with my life, my thoughts, my heart. He's Lord over all, over every aspect of my being. We can't do the right things for the wrong reason. We gave the example of YouTubers who go out into the homeless community and, and pass out food and, and uh, tents and, and sleeping bags and all these things. Doing great things, good things. Necessary things for, for these people suffering from homelessness. But what were their motives? They wanted views on their, their YouTube channel. And they got them. Millions of them. They made many times more than they ever gave out. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason. We saw that the Pharisees valued praise from men as better than praise from God. John 12:43. Jesus Himself states, For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Why is that? Because they didn't value God's praise. They didn't value the rewards that come only from Jesus Christ. They valued the praise of men. They valued the rewards that men can give. They didn't seek the praise of God because they didn't value it. How ought we serve God then? Ephesians 6, 6 and 7 says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not seeking praise from men, any, any individual, any one of God's creatures. I understand that, and, and we'll talk more about that uh, in, the, in the lesson, but, you know, church leadership, you're to honor them and respect them, etc., etc., and this church does a great job of doing that. But you're not seeking praise from them. You're seeking praise from God. Amen. Because that is who we serve. When we go to work, we don't work for the boss. We don't work for the company. We work for Jesus Christ. Now to some that may seem like, well, no, that's not true. But I promise you, the employee that works for Jesus Christ is going to be your very best one. If they fear God, if they serve Him, and they work for Him, that will be your very best employee. Because they're going to do the job whether you're there or not. Because they know someone is there. Jesus is there watching. Praise God. Giving, praying, and fasting. Our motives for giving is not so God will fill my coffers, but to bless Him, to bless His church, to please Him, to advance His kingdom. My goals for giving in my tithes and offerings to special offerings as the Lord uh, directs me to do so, my goal for that is to please Him, to obey Him, to submit myself to His authority, His rule. He's Lord of all, folks. He's Lord of my pocketbook. He gets to tell me how I spend my money. My money? God's money. It's God's money. He gets to tell me how I'm supposed to utilize His resources. And not just money either. The time that He gives me. The talents that He's given me. He gets to tell me how I use them as well. 
He does. Because He's Lord of all. Our motives for praying is not so God can send down fire on my grumpy boss. Not so I can get a nice yacht in the Caymans. None of that. I pray that God's will would be done. That His kingdom would be advanced. That's my goal. That's my goal. Somewhere in here I have something on ambition. Personal ambition. It has no place in the kingdom of God, folks. None. I really want that position. I really want that title. I think I think Jesus is I think Jesus is calling me to that. I've heard of people actually printing out flyers and campaigning for district positions. I've heard of that. I can't even imagine that. Why would you even do that? If God is going to give you that position, you're going to have it. But if He's not going to give it to you, why would you want it? It's not for you. You're going to, you're going to make a train wreck out of it. The only ambition we should have is to serve Jesus, to advance His will and His kingdom in this earth. Amen. Matthew 6.10 says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's part of the Lord's prayer. That's how we ought to pray. That His will would be accomplished. That His kingdom would be established. Our motives for fasting is not to get it our way. You've heard that. I'm just going to stop eating until Jesus answers my prayer. You're going to starve, dude. You may as well eat now. Save yourself some pain. That's not the reason we fast, but that God would change and transform us and bring us in line with His will and His purposes. Amen. We honor God when we do our daily spiritual disciplines. We honor Him when I discipline myself to pray every day. Fast regularly. Read the Word of God and study it every day. I bless Him. I honor Him by doing that. He's pleased with that. Amen. Our daily devotions. Matthew 15, 7-9 says, Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart, their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. They did all the right things. They said all the right words. But their motives were all wrong. They did it for all the wrong reasons. We've got to ensure our motives are pure and right by examining ourselves regularly. Regularly. And making sure we're not really seeking praise from men and not from God. It's an easy trap to fall into. When we're praying, someone walks by. 
then you just you get a little bit more spiritual. It can be innocent enough, but I mean there's a fine line there, isn't there? We slide off into seeking praise from men. Men can't do anything for you. Men didn't save you. Men didn't die on a cross for you. They didn't deliver you from all of your bondages and addictions. God did that. He's the one we serve. He's the one we seek praise from. Affirmation from. Our motives matter. Day one, personal ambitions, here it is. Can be well and good as far as a career or self-improvement goes. I want to expound on that in just a second. Because, again, there's a fine line there. But even in this, we we must submit them to Jesus Christ. For example, 1 Timothy 3 and 1 says, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. I might have personal ambitions. I might have desires to, to do more than I am right now. And I think in and of themselves, that's a good thing. We, we ought to improve ourselves. We ought to desire to move forward. But those desires must be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because if they're not, then I run the temptation of starting to seek my own kingdom, build my own kingdom, follow my own will. I have ambitions at work. I want to get promoted. I do. I, I mean, that's just who I am. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to get. I want promotions. But in that, I must submit myself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Eventually, those promotions are going to lead to. I can't. I. I can't be here on Sundays because they work. Some of the departments work on Sundays. That's not going to fly, folks. My Sundays are sacrosanct. My Sundays are set apart for Jesus Christ. That's, that will not be violated. So on that, I've got, I've, got to, I've got to curb that. That's not going to work. I'm submitted to Jesus Christ. The ambition we should only have is an ambition to advance His kingdom, to bring Him glory, to accomplish His will. When we have that ambition, then we are protected from envy. We are protected from pride, ego, vanity. Everything that can trip a Christian up. Especially when we start getting personal ambitions. I'm not worried when the, when the preacher in another city has revival. I praise with him. I thank God for that. The kingdom is being advanced. And that builds my faith. God can do it there. He can do it here. But there are some people, there have been some people, they get angry and upset about that. Why? Because it's, they feel like it's a personal reflection on them. Ego. Pride. That has no place in the servant of Jesus Christ. That has no place in the kingdom of God. That's where that leads us. We need to get so focused on Him that there's no room for me. There's no room for me in this, folks. My kingdom, my will, what I want done. There's no room for that. 
I am not my own. I'm bought with a price. I am the servant of Jesus Christ. I don't serve me. I serve Jesus Christ. We're here, created by God, saved and sanctified by God, set free by God, adopted by God, called by God for one reason. To serve Him. To serve Him. He didn't do all that so I can advance me. So I can get a shiny new title. So I can get a shiny new position. So I can get my name out there. He didn't didn't do all of this for that reason. He did it so I could give Him glory. I could give Him honor. Amen. When you see things in that light, when you are submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you want to give Him all the glory, all the honor, all the praise for the great things that He's done? Day two. Social media, like every other convenience available to us today, is a tool. It's a tool. Like money, like any other tool, it needs to be respected. Like fire. You don't respect fire, it can destroy. But when you use it properly, it can do a lot of good things. Cook your food, keep you warm, power things. We've got to make sure we're using the tool properly and it doesn't end up using us. We must make sure that we're using the tools in ways that please and glorify God. Amen. We used to preach against TV. But now I've got my TV right here. If I want it, I got YouTube, I got all kinds of streaming services available, whatever you want. It's right there on your phone. You don't need a TV anymore. I mean, that's the TV now is almost like the old-fashioned wall phone. Big old clunky TV set. You can't bring that anywhere. I can bring this everywhere I am. Whatever tools that you're going to use, They need to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You need to let Him direct your use of those things. Amen. When you're posting on social media, since we're talking about it, make sure that what goes out into the wild gives glory to God. A lot of people, when they're posting in different social media sites, they use acronyms. LOL. Everyone knows what that means, right? Laugh out loud. ROFL. Roll on floor laughing. They use these things. But there are some acronyms that people use on these sites that aren't so appropriate. I won't get into them here, but as a Christian, we ought not be posting those kinds of things. Glorify God in all that you do. Submit your use of these tools to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Inappropriate pictures, jokes, and off-color humor. They have no place in the the Christian's life. They just don't. Someone tells an off-color joke at work, don't chuckle at it. Don't smile at it. It's not appropriate. 
We are sanctified. We are set apart from this world for the purpose of giving glory to God and for the purpose of people seeing the difference, seeing our sanctification, seeing that we are separate. Use these tools properly or get rid of them. Don't use them at all. Day three, a warning to honor leadership in accordance with God's word, but don't seek praise from them. Seek praise only from God. Thanks and acknowledgement for things we do for God is always appreciated, but we must not get to the place where we're seeking after those things. I enjoy very much giving honor where honor is due. You serve Jesus Christ by scrubbing the toilets? Thank you. I'll thank you publicly. And I mean that. I'm thankful for for anyone's service to the kingdom of God. And I will give you honor. And I delight to do that. But that's not why we do it. If I start to get bitter because I keep doing this week after week, year after year, no one notices. Well, folks, that's the wrong reason. Someone is noticing. You are always noticed when you serve Jesus Christ. Jesus notices. And He rewards. And He blesses for anything that we do for Him. Thanks and acknowledgement. No, I already did that. Service is its own reward. We serve. We have the opportunity to serve. We delight in serving Jesus Christ as, as a biblical Christian. Service is its own reward. I get to serve Him. I get to serve in the kingdom of God. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. The lowest position possible. But in the house of the Lord. In the kingdom of God, I'd rather have the lowest position at all than be king over all the earth. As Christians, we do everything. Everything. Everything we do is for God's glory. Everything we do, everything we think, everything we say is for the glory of God. Our service for the kingdom is for God's glory, not our own. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatsoever we do in word and in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Everything we do is in His name and for His purpose. Day four, forgiveness does not excuse the person's wrong or even make all your sorrows subside. Okay, they're talking about forgiveness again. Boy, they keep harping on this thing. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. We've got to forgive, folks. We've got to forgive if we are to be forgiven. If we don't forgive people their debts to us, God will not forgive our debts to Him. Some people, if I forgive him, that's just telling him that what he did is okay. No, that's not what you're saying. You're not excusing the person's wrong. And the act of forgiveness isn't going to make the pain go away initially. It's still going to be there. But it does free you. It does set you free. It gets a great big weight off of you. And it starts the process of healing. You'll never be healed of it if you don't first forgive. 
Everything Jesus commands, remember this, folks. Everything Jesus tells us to do, He empowers us to do. Everything Jesus tells us to do, we have the ability to do through Him. Day five. The masks we choose to put on is determined by our motives. They made an interesting point that two masks were referred to. The somber mask was put on by the Pharisees to let everyone know they were fasting. Jesus says to put on another mask to hide the fact that you're fasting. Two masks, one is proper, one is improper. One is acceptable, one is not. It reminded me about the the message from Brother Painter about putting on masks. Acting like Jesus acts until it becomes a part of you. Until that becomes who you are. Amen. Our message today, we're talking about the kingdom first. The kingdom first. Matthew 6, 25-34 is our scripture text. Again, we're still talking about the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25, states this, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? I hope so. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? In other words, if you worry about it, is that going to fix it? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall ye eat, or what shall ye drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Or to say it another way, let the day's own needs be sufficient for the day. Worry about tomorrow's needs tomorrow. A young woman sat weeping as she rocked in her chair near the roaring fire of the fireplace. A concerned family member was alarmed at her emotional distress and questioned her as to what was troubling her. The woman explained, I was just sitting here thinking about what if I were married and had a baby? Yes, go on followed the concerned loved one. That's certainly no reason to cry about that thought, though. The weeping woman continued, But what if I were sitting here rocking my baby near the fireplace and lost my grip and my baby fell into the roaring fire of that fireplace? She continued to cry between her words. Well, that would be terrible, exclaimed the relative. What a terrible thought. Yes, the woman continued, I can't bear to think about it, yet it's all I can think about. She broke out into uncontrollable sobs once again. But dear, the loved one exclaimed, you have no child. You're not married. You're not even engaged to be married. 
You're not even dating anyone right now. Why would you be so troubled over that? I don't know, she sobbed. I just can't help myself. The young woman continued to cry. Something in the human psyche causes people to struggle with fear, anxiety, or worry. Some people deal with extreme concern that their clothes might not be impeccable or their house might not be perfect for company. All the while, their clothes are fine, and they're not even expecting company. Too often, we allow concerns and worries to trouble us when there is no cause to worry at all. It is possible that some people's worry stems from their failure to arrange their lives in proper order with biblical priorities. In this lesson, we will consider what should be the top priority in our lives as believers. It might not prevent all concerns and worries in life, but it certainly can help us live without undue emotional stress as we pursue the kingdom of God above all other pursuits. I would argue that it can be completely eliminated. It can. As the Christian, I don't have to worry about things. Now, a healthy concern might be appropriate from time to time. I need to be focused on some things at at certain periods of time, but worry about it? Stress about it? No. No, folks. I submit to you that that ought not be a part of the life of a Christian. A world of worry. Merriam-Webster defines worry as, quote, mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually for something impending, or anticipated. Anxiety, an instance or occurrence of such distress or agitation, unquote. Well, life will certainly present you with an abundance of opportunities to worry if that's what you're looking for. It certainly will. If you want something to stress out about, you don't have to go too far to find it. Amen. And there are people, they're looking all day long. They're not happy unless they're worried about something. I don't understand that. I never have. Even as a non-Christian, I've been blessed, I guess, to have basically a positive outlook on life, uh, kind of upbeat. But, I mean, there, there are people who, they're not. They're not that way at all. And there are reasons for that. We'll go into those as well. Luke twenty-one twenty-six declares men's hearts failing them for fear talking about the end times, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Men's hearts failing them for fear. I don't have any medical statistics, but I've seen them. I've seen them in years and decades past. Heart disease, heart attack, that has been the number one cause of death in the United States. Men's heart's failing them. Why? Because people are stressed. There's never enough money. Too many bills. I didn't get the promotion. Things happen, folks. And without God, maybe you should be worried. Maybe you should be stressed out. But life presents us with plenty of opportunities to do that. How we deal with these challenges will determine our level of mental anxiety. As a biblical Christian, we can take control of and responsibility for our mental state. We can choose to pursue the kingdom of God above all else. There 
there's that word again. Choice. Can we really choose? Just make a choice to not worry? Can we really just make a simple decision? Yes! Yes, we can! It's amazing what what we can do if we'll allow ourselves to do it. The worries of the inner life. Our internal fears and concerns a lot of times stem from our experiences, which are often beyond our choice and beyond our control. There are things that, no matter what I choose, I can't change. I can't change the fact that I was born to uh, Robert and Beverly Becker. I can't change that fact. I can't change the fact that I grew up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. That wasn't for me to decide. God decided that for me. I mean, ultimately, He gave me to my parents. There are things that happened to me that were outside of my control because of other people's choices. And you. Things happened to you that were outside of your control. We don't choose the family we're born into, the economic state we're born into, where we're raised, the emotional conditions of our parents and others surrounding us during our childhood. We don't choose any of those things. We can't. We have no power over those things, no no way to control those things. Many people today come from broken homes and have even suffered mental, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. Things that people have no control over that have happened to them. And again, folks, please don't mistake me. I'm not minimizing these things in any way. I'm not minimizing the impact that these situations, these events have on someone's life. They're catastrophic. They break people. They literally break people. These conditions and abuses do not come by the child's own choice or doing, but... They can be overcome through effort and by the power of God. There is healing available to anyone that has had to endure or suffer through these circumstances and situations. Now, I'll admit to you right up front, I had a pretty decent childhood. My family wasn't perfect by any means. My parents weren't perfect. My kids' parents aren't perfect either. But, It was pretty good. My dad provided. We always had food. I believe they loved us in their own way. I mean, it was pretty good. It's a lot better than others have had. I feel like I've been blessed with my childhood. Others have not been so fortunate. They have not been so blessed. But whatever situations or circumstances we have come out of, There is healing available. Some individuals grow up with great insecurities. Fear and worry over their ability to have enough to eat. Why? Because they didn't when they were kids. Fear and worry over having the ability to achieve and excel. Why? Because their parents identified with that primarily. Wanting little Johnny to grow up and be a doctor or be a lawyer. Pushing those expectations all the time. Fear and 
fear and worry over being worthy of acceptance and love. Why? Because they never received it as a kid. They were never accepted for who they were. They were never loved unconditionally. They might have been loved, but because of what they did or didn't do. Because these fears and insecurities often grew out of childhood circumstances, these individuals cannot avoid them, but must determine how they will deal with them and overcome them. Children who seldom or never receive affirmation may struggle with insecurity and find it difficult to believe in themselves as adults. Why? Because no one else believes in me. Why should I? Makes sense, doesn't it? If you've never experienced that, why would you believe in yourself? No one else ever has. They often lack self-confidence. Their self-worth is low. And their insecurity, which births anxiety and worry, is high. It's a life of constant stress. Constant struggle. Living that way. Again, we cannot change our childhood's our childhood experiences or undo our hurts, but we can discover deliverance from worry and hope for change in the kingdom of God. As a Christian, we have really only two choices that need to be considered. We can be victims and learn to identify with our pain. We can learn to identify with being a victim. A lot of people choose that route. Or, we can allow God to heal us, set us free, and cause us to overcome. Folks, you know how powerful God is? God can even work these things out for our good. I know that seems crazy. And that may be too much for some people to hear at the outset. But He can do even that. The worries of the outer life. As adults, we encounter an entirely new realm of stressors. As kids, all we wanted to do was just grow up. So I could pick my own uh, bedtime. So I could spend my money the way I want to spend it. So I can do whatever I want to do. That was the reasons we gave, right? Then we grew up, got jobs, got a second job, tried to go to school. Yeah, doing everything you wanted to do. Spending your money your way. That's right. Yeah, adults, adulthood isn't all it was cracked up to be. The pressures that come from our jobs, expectations and demands from supervisors and peers. Depending on the job you have, that could be enormous. I can only imagine what a, a surgeon goes through going into surgery. The weight of responsibility that that individual must feel. That a, literally a, a person's life is in your hands. You make, a, you make a mistake there. I make a mistake at work. I just throw the pack away and the next one rolls down the line. No big deal. They make a mistake. Someone dies. And that's, that's quite a bit different altogether. I can only imagine what's on their mind when they go into surgery. 
Worries about social status, bills, economic realities such as inflation, the price of gas, interest rates, taxes, etc. We can go on and on about that. Upheavals and unexpected events such as losing a job, being relocated, car breaks down, any number of things can happen that you weren't expecting. We can plan for them generally, have some savings set aside for, for unexpected emergencies, but I don't know about you, but it seems to me like we get a savings account good and built up, and then we got to use it. And then we get it built back up just as soon as we make that last deposit. Something happens, we got to dump it out again. It's hilarious. It's just, it's just a hoot. Relational stress and frustrations. Family relationships, disagreements, reunions, dating or marriage relationships. <sighs> I got to tell you, I probably have told you this before. You know, I'm in a weird spot right now, kind of. Uh, I'm old enough that I started, I've started to repeat myself. But I'm young enough that I, I remember doing it. <clears throat> so... Probably eventually I'll forget that I'm doing it. <laughs> I've talked to my wife. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. If you die before me, no. I, I can't do this again. This is, it's so hard. Going through dating and, oh, what does she think of me? And, uh, I, can't, I can't imagine having to go through that again. Friends come and go from our lives. Good friends. As you get older, friends die. They move. Different areas. We lose touch. New friends come into our lives. We've got to reestablish, build a relationship all over again. These are common experiences to adults in the United States generally. But in every single one of these and in every situation I did not mention, kingdom life is the answer to dealing with all of them. Living in the kingdom of God is the answer, folks. We can decide to not allow the pressures of life to control us, even when we cannot control the external and internal sources from which they flow. Folks, there are things in our lives we simply have no control over. I cannot control what the interest rate is. I do not control what the price of gas is. I promise you if I did... They'd be different. They'd be a lot lower. But I don't. So they're not. I'm running for President of the United States. And I will lower that. I think those are funny. Like they have any control over it either. But in any case, there are all kinds of things that happen to us every single day that we have no control over. But even in those circumstances, we don't have to stress, we don't have to worry, because we know the one that does have control over them. Jesus Christ controls all things. He has everything in the palm of His hand. He raises up kings and sets them down again. He directs the hearts of kings whithersoever He will. The affairs of men are in His control. He is sovereign, folks. Altogether sovereign. He sits on the throne all by Himself. There's no one sitting alongside of him. President Biden isn't consulting 
is, is not, God's not consulting Biden. God's not consulting Putin. Sounds like no one will be consulting Putin here pretty soon. In any case, uh, he doesn't consult anybody. The affairs of men are directed by him. History is directed by him. Is he Lord of all? He's Lord over history as well. We look back in history. He directs the affairs of men. God can give us victory, healing, deliverance, restitution, and afterward, love, joy, and peace. Everything we once lacked and so desperately sought after is available freely in the kingdom of God. It's available right here in His kingdom. We can have it in abundance. We've heard phrases like, attitude determines altitude. You just need a check up from the neck up. That's my favorite. I use that all the time. It just rolls off the tongue. Choice. Perspective. How I look at things is important, folks. What perspective do I have on these circumstances and situations? Everything's out to get me. It's going to destroy me. Or, God means it for good. I'm going to submit myself to Him and roll right through this. Now, I understand some circumstances you're not going to be so flippant about. I get that. But, in a general sense, circumstances that we have no control over, God controls them. I don't have to worry. I don't have to stress. How do I view life? How do I view life? What's my perspective on life? If you give me a moment of transparency here, there was a period of time in my life not so good time in my life, and I'm certainly not proud of having these thoughts, but, and I never shared them with anyone, thank God. But, there was a time in my life where I was hesitant about sharing Jesus with someone, and the reason for that was because then they'll have to go through similar things that I'm going through. What was my perspective? Not a good one. My perspective now is I need to go through those things. I need to. I'm getting to the place, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm getting to the place where I want to because of the blessing that lies on the other side of them. Understand what I'm saying? How I view my life is important. How I view the circumstances and situations I'm in or going through or have went through is important. Do I view them as, as negative things that I want to be delivered from and, and I pray, God, don't ever let me have to do that again? Or can I embrace the fact that this is for my good, that I need to go through this for a reason? I don't know what the reason is all the time. 
But God is in charge. God is in control of this situation as well. And if I'm here by the will of God, folks, I'm right where I need to be. If I'm in that awful circumstance by the will and plan of God, that is exactly where I need to be, where I want to be. I don't ever want to be outside of God's will. I need to be right where He wants me. And sometimes it's in the middle of a test or a trial. Okay. God help me to get through this, to grow through it, to learn what I need to do. Help me to receive what I need to receive. That's where we need to be. And when I view things that way, things are a whole lot different, aren't they? I know what's at the other side of this. Not more pain and suffering. I'm not looking to be delivered from the pain. I'm looking to receive from the pain something greater. That pain is the gateway. It's the price I need to pay, if you will, to receive something awesome from God. I want to be Christ-like. I want to accurately reflect and demonstrate Him in this world. And I can't do that living on easy street. I can't do that just sailing on through. Because then I'm going to remain just the way I am. I'm thankful that God has brought me this far. But I don't want to stay here. i got a whole lot farther yet to go before I'm Christ-like. And I want to get there, folks. I want to serve Him in, in the way that He wants me to serve Him. I want to be the person He wants me to be. And to do that, I've got to start viewing these things a little bit differently. Those things that happened to me in the past, I can look at them negatively or I can see them in a positive light. Because I've went through these things, now I can more effectively minister to others that have went through those things. I didn't suffer physical abuse as a child, but if you did, there are plenty of people that are suffering physical abuse who are growing up in that situation that need to hear from someone that has gone through it and has been delivered from it. They need to see what God has done for you. Come alongside them and say, I know. I know what you're going through. I can't imagine. I can't imagine doing that to a child. But people do. <clears throat> but if you've been through that and have been delivered, as an example, you can come alongside someone. I know what you're going through. I've been through it myself. But this is what God did for me. And I know He can do it for you. And that has a whole lot more impact than someone like me coming along. I can tell them the same thing. And it's true. But they're going to listen to the other person a whole lot closer. And rightly so, I think. How do I view the challenges that come into my life? Do I see them in a positive or in a negative light? If we see them from God's perspective... We see them from His perspective. His perspective. That sounded wrong. We do well. 
There are some things that I can do proactively to help minimize stress and worry in my life. There are some things I can do. I can set aside some money for a rainy day. I can eat a healthy diet. These are choices that I can make. You don't have to eat a healthy diet. I mean, you can eat uh, McDonald's three days, three three times a day all the rest of your life. I knew someone that did that in Worthington, and the guy was a hot mess. I mean, he had health problems galore. He was 10 years younger than me and looked like he was 20 years older than me. I mean, seriously. I mean, just don't do that. I I eat out from time to time, but <laughs> not three times a day. <laughs> eat a healthy diet, folks. It'll balance your hormones, control your weight, reduce stress in your life. We can organize our schedules so that we get an adequate amount of sleep. Folks, sleep is important. It's huge. You get an adequate, and that's different for every person. Figure out what that is for you, but get it. Discipline yourself to go to bed at a certain time. Get up at a certain time. You will love you for it. We can refuse to overcrowd our schedules with useless or non-productive activities. I'll tell you what, what causes a lot of stress, has caused a lot of stress for me in my past, is procrastination. Yeah, it didn't take me too long to figure out that's not the best plan. Start doing my homework assignments the night before. Not the best time to start a homework assignment, especially an essay. That's when the dog would eat my homework. And those teachers, they wouldn't buy it. So let's, let's, let's organize our schedules effectively. Let's do those things that we need to do. But the only effective cure for worry is found in the kingdom of God. There are some things that we can do to, to minimize and to, to stop those, thing, those situations from affecting us. But when the situations do come, being in the kingdom of God is the only solution. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus knows what things we have need of and desires to meet those needs for us. At this point, I should just be able to close up and let's head out. That's the cure for stress, folks. The cure for worry. Jesus knows what my needs are and wants to meet them. I have biblical... I have Scripture... Chapter and verse right here that I can stand on. Now, it's true that God's not always going to hand these things to us on a silver platter. I don't get to just sit in bed all day and cast checks. He uses the analogy of the birds, that God provides for the birds. Well, they don't just wake up one morning in the nest and the nest is full of worms. They got to go fly somewhere. They got to hunt the area out, start scratching and pecking. They got to find them. God will provide you opportunity and ability to get your needs met. 
Amen. If you're strong, if you're reasonable intelligence, folks, you can go get a job. God can provide for you that way. God will bless you at your workplace. You work as unto the Lord, He will bless you. And He'll provide for you through that. If they let you go for whatever reason, God's my provider. He'll provide another source of revenue. Another source of provision. But God is ultimately my provider. Jesus was giving His disciples an approach to life wherein we do not have to worry about the basic needs of life, but through a divine relationship, God will supply all of our needs. Amen. When we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be freed from worrying and stressing about having enough food to live, where we will live, and what I will wear. God promises me these things if, if I will seek Him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If I accomplish that, then I am free from worry and stress. Then I am free from fear, because God is my provider in that instance. He knows what I have need of. Now, I may disagree with Him from time to time. No, I actually need that. God says, no, you actually don't need that. You want that. Understand, folks, just about everybody I've talked to that disagrees with this, yeah, well, I've tried it, and he doesn't. Yeah, he does. It's just that we disagree sometimes on what our needs are. God provides our needs. And he provides many of our wants, too. He sure does. But I'm promised my needs. In the kingdom of God, we can live in spiritual relationship with our divine creator and find relief from the dissipating effects of worry. Amen. I've got to move. In other words, if we make the kingdom of God and His righteousness priority in our lives, we can be free from worry about receiving the necessities of human life. This comes through relationship. Again, it comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The closer I get to Him, the more intimate I am with Him, the more I'm going to trust Him. The more I can trust Him to provide my needs. And I don't have to worry about it because I know the small child. When I was four, five, six years old, I remember a few things, but I don't remember ever worrying about having a place to sleep, having food. I don't remember that. Some do. Some do remember worrying about that. But in the kingdom of heaven, folks, in the kingdom of God, I don't have to worry. Jesus is a perfect parent. He provides all my needs. He has all the resources. He never runs out. John 6.27 says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Again, my focus is on the kingdom of God. My focus is on serving Jesus Christ, advancing His will. And when I focus on His needs, He takes care of all my needs. Amen. I don't have to worry about them. I'm focused on meeting His needs. 
Not that he has needs, okay? But his desires, advancing his will, his kingdom. Don't misunderstand me. He doesn't need anything. <clears throat> but when I focus on him, he focuses on me. That's the way we want it to be. I want him taking care of my business. I want him taking care of my bills, my responsibilities. That's what I want. I gotta make his I gotta make him my first priority. Amen. In conclusion, Adrian Rogers stated the scourge of the twenty first century is half hearted Christianity. Half hearted Christianity will not do it. It never could, but surely not in these times. Are you seeking for Christ with all your heart? Is there anything in your life you love more than the Lord Jesus Christ? If so, then, my friend, that thing whatsoever or whosoever it is has become an idol in your life. Realizing that, what steps can you take today to remove it from the throne and put Christ back in His proper place in your life? We can take these steps to make God and His kingdom a priority in our busy, complex lives. One, commit ourselves wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ and His kingdom, holding nothing back, giving everything to Him. Spend quality time with the Lord Jesus every day in prayer and in His Word. Focus on developing intimacy with Jesus every day. Talk to Him. Allow Him to speak into our lives and daily enjoy His presence. Four, commit our schedule to the Lord. We know what is on our to-do list, but do we truly reflect God's priorities or do we reflect our own? Let's daily align our priorities with God's priorities. Amen. He's Lord also over my calendar. Five, refuse to worry about our challenges. Put stressors and worries in God's hands every morning and trust He will provide what we need when we need it. Six, find time for others throughout the day. The kingdom of God is lived out in community with the fellowship of believers. Make a phone call, drop a card in the mail, or send an email. Let others know that they are important to us and let godly brothers and sisters speak wisdom into our lives. Live kingdom life together. Amen. As we do that, folks, as we commit to the Lord Jesus Christ in every area of our lives, we don't have to worry about anything else. We submit ourselves to Him. We move forward in Him. We accomplish His will. And He takes care of everything else for us. Worry and stress need not have any place in the Christian's life. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, we worship You. And we are so thankful for You that You have promised us in Your Word that You will provide all of our needs for us if we will seek You first. Thank You, Jesus, for Your faithfulness to us. You do honor the Word of God. You do fulfill every promise that You've given unto us. Help us, Lord, to trust in You. Help us to move forward in You. Help us to get a, a different perspective on life. That this life is blessed. That this life is wonderful. That this life is glorious. A life served for Jesus Christ is the best life possible. Oh, hallelujah. I am so thankful for the many blessings, the so many benefits that we receive of You each and every day. Thank You, Jesus, for taking care of Your people, for providing all of our needs so that we don't have to worry about them. I pray, Lord, above all else, that Your name would be glorified in all that we do, all that we say, all that we think. Bless the remainder of Your service and these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. God bless you.